Coming up, a step-by-step process to prepare your scare actors for this haunt season. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Trash Network podcast, we bring haunts to you every weekday. We have news on location coverage and interviews from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional haunter or enthusiast, each episode helps you prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, of course, we have videos, education, and events. Today is all about training scare actors. No matter your haunt size, whether you're a home haunter all the way up to a full professional with over 100 actors, there's something for everyone in this guide. This episode is from one of our partner stations, Haunt Topic Radio, hosted by Brian and Daryl. Today's episode is a recording from the last Haunt Master class, and you can join for the full recording at hauntertoolbox.com. Here's Brian. Allie, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're going to teach us tonight. So my name is Alyssa Chopani. Uh, many people call me Allie and know my business Design by Allie. I have been actively involved in the haunt industry since 2006 uh, when I started high school. I moved to an area that had a haunted house. I started high school not knowing anybody in this area and they invited me to the local haunted house. And I went and I had never been to one, never. And I fell in love and I started acting that season. I, the following year, I came back for scenic design because I have a, a background in art. And from there, I've held nearly every position possible, um, everything from scenic design to fabrication, costuming, makeup. I'm a fire performer, of course, an actor, actor trainer. I do photography, operations, you name it. Um, so my involvement I have been involved with several haunts um, from small scale to large scale, anywhere from around 20 actors all the way up to 250 actors. Uh, So um, today I'm sharing some of that information with everyone. And uh, this seminar is going to be hiring and training your actors from application to opening night. And uh, the reasoning behind this is I myself love teaching seminars. I love attending seminars. And sometimes they there's so much information that it can become too vague, right? And you might be looking for a certain piece of information or an inspiration or an idea. So we're kind of honing in on this and saying, okay, instead of just saying like, have auditions, have applications, get your actors there. I want to get real specific and I'm going to kind of pay a lot of attention to the, some of the processes that, that I did from as soon as they filled out those applications, what was that process to go from there all the way to that opening night? Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully this offers some tips. Um, I understand some haunts already have a perfect system in place. That's great. Uh, You know, maybe this won't apply to certain at certain sizes, but I hope this um, does give some inspiration and some tips. That's a point that I would like to mention because some of our viewers are going to have haunts that have, you know, two or three, they're a home haunt, uh, maybe only two or three actors. Some are going to have 10, some are going to have 50 and some are going to have over 200. So if there's any way that you can kind of say, this is kind of what works for five people or 10 people. And this is kind of what works for 200. Just kind of let us know as you're doing your, uh, as your presentation. Yes, absolutely. I will. Hey, Daryl, get your notes ready. <laughs> I got my pencil ready. I'm uh, writing things down. Okay. So uh, a quick backstory of um, why I feel this is important. When I was an actor, 
um, for the particular haunt. And this was, again, this was in 2006. So I didn't even have a cell phone at that point. You know, I was just starting high school. Um, and, and things were way different. Um, we basically, word of mouth, we would go to the haunt and it was a little unorganized and we would walk into a room and we would audition one by one. We were asked to um, say a couple lines, scream, you know, do a couple things. We had to put on a mask. And it was the most nerve wracking, terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I was always someone that was very quiet, very reserved, um, kind of preppy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm th- my first time at a haunted house, even walking through was two days ago. Like I knew nothing and it was terrifying. And so the following year, when I got more involved, I was like, we need to change this. Um, this this needs to be fun. This needs to be engaging. This needs to be encouraging. And so you'll see that kind of tie into this um, and how that audition process changed. Um, so the the importance of this is basically, and I need to uh, need to like minimize this because let's see if I can make this a little bit smaller. There we go. So the importance of preparing your actors, right? You have 30 days to make your money and you can't waste time training actors and trying them out in different spots during the season. Again, that was the same thing my first couple years. It was throw you here, throw you there, see what works. And then it's halfway through the season and uh, you find out that you hated it and you quit because it wasn't right for you. They didn't care. They didn't listen. And if, if they had only spent a little bit more time or a little bit more of a creative way to find out your skills and what you enjoy doing, then you would have stuck around, right? So it's important to work with those actors before season so that opening night is a strong, solid performance, especially if you're expecting a large turnout. So you want the opening night patron and press reviews to be great. Word travels fast and a successful opening night sets the stage for the rest of the season, right? So to the next. Now, I know um, some haunts do like a, I know we used to do it in the past where we have our first night is press night, family night. We'll let the actors, you know, invite 10 people and then it's kind of like a test run. Um, is that a good idea or? Yeah. Um, yeah. We've, we've done that on and off different years too, depending we've done dress rehearsals. We've done, uh, yeah. Family nights where we invited all friends and family and just press and media to come out. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So benefits of using this hiring process, uh, it eliminates one-on-one interviews. I mentioned one-on-one interviews. If if that's currently what you're doing for your haunt and you only have a couple actors, that's totally fine. But I want to give you some ideas and you'll see a little bit later on some of the exercises and things that I do that that will make you think, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go try some of these because you'll want to be involved yourself too. They're really fun. Um, For us, uh, one haunt in particular, when we were hiring about 250 people, uh, this allowed two staff members, um, myself as a personnel manager and my casting director to, to train, audition, sort, and cast large numbers of actors in a short amount of time. So like our auditions were there, we would do about three auditions and each one would be about two to two and a half hours a piece. And we would be able to get through pretty much everybody. Um, whereas like one-on-one interviews, just would make absolutely no sense. You'd be there for two weeks trying to interview all of those people. Um, Less labor costs involved to pay staff before their time involved because there is less audition times and they're in blocks. 
Uh, the application, the applicants nor the staff have to travel back and forth to the haunt multiple times. The actors have fun. They meet new people, make friends, gain confidence, become motivated. They receive training and have a positive first experience. Don't worry, I will go through all of this stuff super in depth. I'm just explaining some of the benefits because I do feel it's important to explain the why and then I will explain the how. Uh, word spreads that the auditions and orientation are casual and fun. I'll show you some examples of that. And opening night goes more smoothly because actors know the nightly routine and what to expect. Okay, so here are some initial steps. Okay, so from application to opening night. So you pumped out your applications, you're now hiring, applications are rolling in. What to do next? Well, the very first thing is create a private Facebook actor cast group. Hopefully you have one. If not, make one. Uh, this is just an example of a cover photo that we did for one. And keep all of your private conversations and communications with your actors or potential actors there. These were just two examples. Um, I would make posts and I would say something silly like, um, you know, here are some different things like times. And I would say like comment yeehaw to confirm that you've seen this mm -hmm. uh, or, or something like that. Um, very important. Um, we would allow, you know, make the group public and allow tons of people to join it. You can even do like a community or a fans of, and so that you can keep direct contact with them. And then as you actually start to hire, then you can either weed them out or create a secondary. Uh, next, compose a list of your scenes and roles, noting core roles and scripts. This can be time consuming, but it really is worth it. Um, I put together an actor character book every single season. Um, again, when you're dealing with 250 people and you might have 100 to 150 roles each night, a lot of that does carry over from year to year. You might only be changing out certain sections or characters from year to year, but once it's made, it cuts down the time so, so, so much. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, designate your audition dates. Uh, end of July to first week of September is typically what we recommend. We've tried earlier, we've tried later. And the problem is you get too early. People are not thinking about haunted houses. It's hot. They're at the beach. They're here, there. They're doing graduation. And then by the time September rolls around and you're ready to open, they all have other jobs or going to college. It's mm -hmm. just, it's too hard. And you've already counted them in for a specific role, maybe a very important role. And it's, it's too bad. You lost them. Um, so typically end of July to first of December, they're back to school in August. They're starting to spread the word, talk about it. And then we also do run auditions and stuff all through the season too. Again, talk to, I'll get to that a little bit. Um, and then post the audition dates on your website and your Facebook actor group. Uh, this is just an example of a graphic um, that for an open casting call. So this is something Something kind of basic on this graphic. And then this one is a little bit more uh, busy. Um, this one I just posted one time for fun. This was like one of the first years that I was involved to do actor auditions. And nobody had, like, they did, they still in their mind thought it was like this one on one interview. And this was my way to show, like, no, we're having fun. Like, this, you're up, you're moving, you're being silly, you're having fun. And this really gave a visual of come and try this. That's cool. Because if they and wanted then, to zoom it, zoom in, in on it, they could check it out and stuff, you know. Oh, let me go back and see. That's a good idea. Yes. I, yeah. There's a lot of pictures here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it shows fun. You're right. Okay, I'll go to the next 
one. Okay. And then this is just another example um, without all those pictures and craziness. This one's just a little bit more simplistic. Okay. Um, so then we used scare sheets. Uh, this is totally optional for us. Again, when you're dealing with a ton of actors that you're hiring, it's hard to remember everybody because you're seeing so many people uh, when they do come in audition. Um, so this kind of helped us get an idea of what they think they're good at. And then we can pay close attention to that. Um, so these are just some examples of ones that we used um, that fit the kind of scenes and roles at our haunt. Um, some pop out, for example, screamer, runner, stalker, speaker, puppeteer, performer, and spacer. Um, again, if, if you want to implement something like this, think about what makes the most sense in your haunt. I feel like this one is pretty, uh, could, could apply to, to pretty much any haunt. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what they do is, um, so they will fill this out, they'll fill out their information, and they will rate them one to eight, one being their most preferred role, and eight being their least preferred role. There's a little description there. And again, during auditions, we go through and we give examples of what each one is and what they think they would like. Um, a reason for doing this is because we did get, uh, you know, myself included when I started, we get so many people that they've never held a job. They may have never been through a haunted house. They have no idea what this is. They don't really know what they're doing. They just came because a friend made them. Uh, maybe they're interested. And this really gives them basics on different types of acting because they might feel intimidated. Like they, they might think, oh, I don't want to go to this haunt and um, make me run around and scream all night when there's several other roles for them. Um, so that, that is another reason to implement these scare sheets. And then, of course, another initial step is to contact the applicants and assign them to audition dates. A couple things with this. Um, we did all online applications, and I set it up with a mail merge so that everything, every time they fill out an application, it would automatically assign them uh, dates according to, you know, if they were riding with someone or um, whether they were new or a vet or so forth. Um now there's so many different auto automated ways to contact people. You know, if you use haunt scheduler or something else where you can send mass text messages, emails, of course, um, there was even one year where we tried just inviting everybody. Uh, we tried it one year where as soon as they filled out the application and submitted it, uh, we had a picture of a map. I had made a map on where to go because you park and you um, walk up a kind of a road to like what we called our festival area. And that's where we held our auditions. It was easy to get to, but if someone is never there in the daytime, you know, it might be confusing. And we said, um, here's our three audition dates. Come on out. Thank you for your application. And it was actually, it was wonderful. I mean, it, it, cut down so much time because we weren't calling people. We weren't dealing with text messages and wrong numbers and this and that. Um, it was just an invite. And that's the same where we, we I ended up making that uh, graphic for an open casting call um, because I just wanted everybody to come out and at least give it a try. So moving on to auditions now. So those were initial steps, um, basically right after those applications. So now people are coming to these auditions and we're gonna talk about those. So group auditions. Uh, before I get into a few of the exercises, um, just some prep work. I have printed applications, uh, the scare sheets blank, the list of attendees and some pens, of course. I keep some costumes and props and weapons with me. Sometimes we use them, sometimes people prefer to use them. And I also like to have music playing uh, just to kind of set the mood. 
check in all the attendees when they get there. And once that happens, have everyone form a large circle. Give a brief intro of the haunt and what they can expect during to happen <laughs> during the auditions. Uh, you can see there's just a, a picture down there of some in an audition. Now, these auditions will range. They did for us. One audition, there might be 10 people. We've had auditions where we had almost 80 people show up. And then, of course, that's when it helps with your staff members because I will take a group of maybe 20, 25, another staff member will take another group and we will do some introductions and some exercise separate and then join back up and do other exercises together. I think Scarab Badges are one of the smartest things I've seen in the industry in a really long time. Scarab Badges are basically either pins or embroidered patches, uh, kind of like Merit Badges, as they are you know, somewhat named after, from Boy Scouts and, and Girl Scouts and Brownies, and where after you've accomplished something, you can wear the brag tag of the embroidered patch. Some haunts put them on jackets, some put them on t-shirts, some put them on uh, with the pins. I've seen them put them on lanyards. But the neat thing about them is they are very specific in what they are rewarding. And they're haunt-based images that reflect what's being rewarded. It's retention, it is bringing people back, and it's actually giving your haunters, your haunt performers, the ability to share that they are haunt performers. And, oh really, you're a, you're a scare actor. Where do you do that? And then they will insert the name of your haunt right there. So it's also marketing. I've always been a big fan of Scarret Badges. I think they're great. So check them out, scarretbadges.com. No, it is, that is not a paid advertisement. That is just my recommendation. I think it's really cool. ScottSwinson.com You may cover this, but do you let your senior staff members and actors help out? Absolutely. Yeah. So one rule uh, that we did was that everybody has to audition. Um, uh, it was it was a joke by one of our staff members that uh, Hugh Jackman had to audition for Wolverine every single movie. So you're not above Hugh Jackman. You have to audition every single year. And, uh, and, and we just encouraged it. Um, we vets, anybody would have to come to an audition. Um, and we loved it. And, and vets, they, they loved coming back. I mean, they get a chance to see their friends. They get, they see uh, the newbies there. Um, they instantly become mentors. We have a mentor program and it was a lot of fun. Plus it gave it that good energy and vibes and they helped really demonstrate some things for us for those actors. Uh, the new applicants. So yeah, absolutely. And we also told them, you know, you need to come to at least one, but many people would come to one and then they would keep coming back, especially vets, because they knew what we were doing and they knew how fun these were. So they would come to every single one. Excellent. So after we, um, you know, we get them in a circle, we do a brief intro, uh, we jump into fun icebreaker exercises. And I will review a couple that we do. Um, I, who I probably have 60 plus different exercises. So, so many. Um, I just picked a couple, um, basic ones that are my favorites, um, to discuss today. And I like to keep auditions very basic, very neutral and very fun. I don't want to get into too much haunt specific stuff until they're there for orientation and actual actor training. A couple reasons. One, again, going back to me and in my friends and people that auditioned, we didn't really know how to act like these characters. I mean, other than the typical, like a zombie or, um, 
a witch or a Frankenstein or those couple things, but you don't really see those in haunts, you know? Um, so I, I wanted to keep these very neutral and, and I will explain why in just a moment. Um, so the name game, for example. So I, you know, we have everybody in a circle and I say, okay, everybody yell out your name. We go around real fast. Everyone yells out their name. And then we say, okay, now you're going to say your name again, but in a voice different than your own. So then everyone goes around a circle. Okay. We're going to say your name in a voice different than your own. And you're going to add some type of motion to it. And, you know, we show them a couple examples, you know, they can do um, anything with their arms or their legs, or they can bend down or twirl around or anything. So then we go around and then we do it again, but we're going to double the size of the motion. And then we go around and that's probably about five to 10 minutes um, to get people loosened up. And it's really, it's just, it's really funny. Everyone's firing it off. Um, and we encourage the silliness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Another game, Zoom. Uh, this is something I, I believe there's like tons of YouTube videos. This is a very neutral game. It has to deal with um, race cars where basically you're doing different motions and you have to follow the motion around. So in this example, um, you make an arm movement and go Zoom and then it follows around and then you keep adding on different movements to it. Um, and basically it, it keeps people aware of what's going on around them, but it also gives them the chance to throw out emotion. Such if someone says oil slick, then everyone runs around the circle into a different spot. Um, someone can go yeehaw and jump to another person. Um, so that one, I'm not going to go into too much depth with because there are uh, YouTube videos on that one, but it's called zoom and definitely look it up. It's a ton of fun for anywhere from, you know, three, four actors, all the way up to huge groups of actors. Um, Just a very fun, neutral exercise. Um, Another one we do is called one, two, three. So while everyone is in that circle, we count off one, two, three, one, two, three, and they don't know what it's for. And what we tell them is, okay, when I say go, you are going to act as something. And then I'm going to say, stop. And then I'm going to move on. So I'm going to say, okay, one are jungle animals go. So ones will act like jungle animals. Okay. Then we stop. Twos are race cars and then they'll go through. Threes are on fire. And, and so we go through that and people are acting around other people and being absolutely silly and ridiculous. And it's a lot of fun. And you can escalate this to to more where you can start to use more haunt specific stuff. I mentioned on fire, you could say like, you know, our robotic, our werewolves, Uh, are covered in bugs, you know, things um, you can apply that more towards characters, depending on what you're doing. One year we did a theme called the outbreak and this was way before COVID by the way. Um, But we uh, tailored this game to the types of characters and things that you would see uh, that we use throughout that outbreak theme. Um, So that is that game. And, and as we're doing these games, right? Yes. These actors are not, or these applicants rather are not necessarily, they're not, learning these trainings right now, because this isn't necessarily for them. It's for us. We're watching. Okay. Who is interacting with others? Who's laughing? Who's quiet? Who's touchy? Who's touching everybody? And who naturally grabs a partner is interacting with them? Who's being very creative? Who is speaking with an accent? Because for some reason in every group, there's some kid that loves to speak with a British accent. Um, so we're, we're really looking for potential and willingness. And, and we're taking notes. Um, 
And if you, you know, we, we do get permissions from that with them to record. So we'll set up a tripod and we'll record some video clips and things too. Um, usually I will be leading and then, you know, the other few staff members that are there with me uh, will be taking notes and then we have the recording as well. Um, Another game that we do is called Apple and it's so simple, you know, we're still in that circle and basically we pass off an apple to someone and their job is to give it to somebody else in the circle. And again, we're watching, do they just walk over and hand it to somebody? Are they very sneaky? What do they do? Do they talk to the apple? Do they throw the apple? What kind of natural like character are they with this apple? Do they take a bite out of the apple? And again, that really helps us see what are they naturally good at? And uh, and because um, our initial steps, we made a list of our, you know, our scenes, we have our, maybe our character book ready at this time. Um, already our wheels are spinning and we're saying, okay, we could see this person in this role, in this role, in this role. Um, and that lets us know because we don't want them to know what our roles are because then, you know, they might try to act like that role and mm -hmm. we want to match them to something that they're going to be the best fit for and have the best chance of success. Um, uh, another game that we do is called walking with motivation and we will, um, yell out some, some different scenarios and they will walk, um, you can see, um, down in that one picture and, uh, we'll give them some, some, um, some scenarios such as, um, meet a good friend that you haven't seen in years or, um, you, re you received some good news, but you have to keep it hidden. And so we'll just have them walk back and forth with these phrases and no one knows what they are. And of course people are trying to guess them and we'll have them, you know, you can be vocal with them. Um, and we just want to see what they do with those. And if you want to step it up to a little bit more advanced, then you can have them do it without any vocals, without any sounds or speaking. Um, some other ones could be um, watering a garden, setting up a tent, ironing laundry. I mean, it could, it could literally be anything. The reason why we give the, why I give those as very basic tasks is because it's, it's something for people to understand and also guess. And again, if you want to take it up more advanced, then you could, um, start to, um, add in some specific scenes or motions that are going to be happening within your haunt and kind of see how they naturally do with those. So that one then is more for individual people or a, a couple of people at a time, as opposed to the other ones where there's many or several people doing something at once? Um, we'll line up. Um, we we kind of do like a rapid fire. So um, I might line up like 10 people on one side and 10 people on the other side. I don't know if you can see my hands where they're yep. at. Um, and I will go down through and I will just whisper in each ear what they're doing. And then I'll go to the other side, whisper in each ear. And then I will say, okay, go. And they will walk to the other side as people are yelling out. Then the next person will walk to the other side and they'll, they'll just keep walking back and forth until the line is over. And then that for that group is done. So that's about, you could do that about 20 people at a time. And like I said, if, um, if it gets to be too many, um, then another staff member will take, you know, say another group of 20 or 25 and do the same exercise over here. But we do try to intermingle, like, um, because, you know, we do want people to meet each other and have that team building. Say if we're in a circle and they're doing, you know, the one, two, three, 
Um, then we'll say like, all right, all ones are going over there and their number ones are going over there and their number ones are going over there. And then they do another exercise in a circle. Mm -hmm. So like it helps um, constantly, like if we do have big groups of people in an audition, they get to work with all different groups of people. Yeah. Hope that answered your question. Yeah. No, that's yeah. good. Okay. So after we do those icebreakers and typically the auditions that we do are about two to two and a half hours. Um, I, we, <laughs> at this point, people are pretty tired in the summer heat. Uh, so um, we allow them to sit and take a break and we kind of go over the scare sheets and um, we demonstrate some acting and scare techniques. And these are just some basics. Um, these are things like um, how to, you know, push a group along, how to move in kind of like different levels, you know, not to stop in front of someone, how to keep a safe distance. And this might only take about 10 minutes uh, just to kind of give them an idea. Because again, as someone that has never acted before, they they might not know these things. They might not even know if your haunt allows you to touch patrons or not, you mm -hmm. know, and it's important to kind of, kind of give them kind of those like guidelines to go um, right off the bat. So myself, and we'll have a few vet actors there or my couple staff members, you know, we've all acted, we all love to act, things like that. Um, we'll demonstrate those for them. Um, oftentimes when I'm traveling and doing actor trainings or doing them in our own haunt, um, we will be in like a large field. Um, but if there's any way that you can get somewhere like hay rides are fantastic because they have um, scenes out there. So if there's any way you can incorporate a scene to show them these examples in that scene where, you know, you're actually hiding behind a prop or something, it's wonderful. If not, you can do it in open field. That's totally <sighs> fine. Um, so then um, we, if you're using the scare sheets, this is a great time to let them kind of fill out, engage themselves. And then we say, okay, if you are interested in, say, a screamer role, go with this person. If you're interested in a storyteller role, go with this person. And we have different exercises for them to go over. And those will be groups of people too. And they can try all different ones. You know, maybe they were, they tried out screamer and then they want to go try this out. Um, that's totally fine. And what we do then is we will line them up and I'm sorry, I don't have a video for this. I wish if we were in person with a, 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 a room full of people, I would definitely have them acting all of this stuff out right now. Um, but uh, we, we would line them up in a, in kind of like, just like patrons would be. And us as, as the vets would give them examples. So we have them walk through, pretend like they're walking through a scene and kind of show them what they're, what they're doing, um, give them some lines, um, give them some guidelines, some things to try. Again, we want to see their willingness. We kind of want to see what they do. Are they following the rules? Are they touching people? Are they jumping in front of people? Just some like basic things like that. Again, it's not really for them. It's for us. It's for us to see. Um, and you can, again, take notes and videotape or record them. Um, work with them as they audition. Try this again. Constructive criticism. Uh, tons of jokes. There's so much laughing going on. The silliest stuff. And, and we encourage that. Like we encourage them to make it fun because if they know that it's fun right off the bat, then they're just going to want to have that drive to keep coming back. Do you know what causes haunted attractions to shut down before they even get started? The top three roadblocks are lack of funding, lack of leadership, lack of resources. As a member of the Haunter's Toolbox, you get instant access to the tools you need to start and grow your own haunted attraction business. To get started, become a member at Haunter'sToolbox.com.
we've had so many sheltered actors, you know, that mm. takes them a couple weekends to even come out. So it's like, it man, I, I see potential in you. I know there's something in there. And then um, I know you're saying it's hard to move people around, but, or, you know, it saves, it saves you time and money by having everybody done, ready to go before you come in, which is what I try to do. So I may, I may switch 20% around maybe because we um because you don't really know you know you know you kind of get a good idea but then the, you know this one person turns out to be a completely you know oh you would make awesome we've had some women that are in you know dominant roles because they've stepped up and they've like say yes we need you right here so but they've kind of progressed over the years too so Oh yeah, we've definitely had some women that have run chainsaws and they love it, you know? Yes, yes. So yes, yes. All right. So let's say, okay, so auditions are over. After each audition session, go through each scare sheet and write down possible roles or assign them to an attraction. What we do, again, does this isn't, you know, this is there's multiple ways to skin a cat. I'm not saying this is the best way or the only way. This is the way that I have found has yep. worked for us. Um, we will, right after an audition is over, I sit down with my staff, we go over our list and our notes immediately, and we think of roles for these people um, and assign them to two attractions. So several of the haunts that I have been involved with have, have had multiple attractions, and some of them have not. So if it doesn't, and say you're only filling, you know, 20, 30 roles, then this, it, well, it goes by way quicker. Um, if it's attractions, a little bit different. Um, one example was we had five attractions and we had a hayride. We had a, a multi-story mansion. We had a whole outdoor walkthrough with multiple buildings. We had a giant maze, like a, like a 10,000 square foot panel maze uh, with scenes in it. And, um, and then we had a fifth attraction that would alternate from, from year to year. Um, so with that, we would assign them to an attraction and each attraction would have a manager and that manager would take care of casting those people because again, you know, when you're dealing with hiring 250 people and you have over 100, 150 or so each night, each attraction has, you know, 30, 40, 50 or so people. Mm -hmm. So we would assign them to an attraction and that's kind of where they would stay for the season. Um, so we would go through and we would think of possible roles or assign them to an attraction. The nice thing is um, each attraction, I mean, if you're going to have a queue line, you know, you're going to have a queue line actor there. You know, you're going to have some type of storyteller or speaker or somebody that's going to kind of set the stage before they enter that attraction. You know, you're going to have roamers, you know, you're going to have um, somebody that screams, you know, you're going to have somebody that chases somebody or stalks somebody. So it's, you can assign them based on that and they will still pretty much fit in those attractions unless it's something very specific like our hayride for example where it does need to tend to be people that are a little bit more physical um they don't mind you know a lot of walking and running a lot we did have chainsaws out there um so that is where you know those people were things like that um so we would go through the scare sheets and we would write down possible roles and assign them to that attraction. Um, we would also invite them to our Facebook actor group. And you can even do this before the audition's even over. Um, back then, QR codes weren't a thing, but um, you know now they are. So we put up signs. Uh, with our QR codes, um, you know, hashtags, things like that, share some pictures. We would post pictures and video snippets to our Facebook actor, gro uh, actor group, as well as our website, as well as our main business Facebook page. Um, and 
you know, TikTok and Instagram and things like that are, are more popular now too. So um, making TikToks are, are encouraged like during the auditions, you know, we don't care. They're not in a space that they're giving away any scenes or anything that the public eye doesn't already see. Uh, we would even put up um, like step and repeat banners and backdrops and, and things like that, that they could pose with and before and after the auditions. Something else that we would do that I'll talk about uh, real quick is uh, we would, uh, I had a prize box and it was just something fun um, that I would, I, so luckily having so many friends in the industry would send me shirts specifically for this. Um, and also uh, Lee from Ticket Leap, lovely. Um, he used to send me drawstring bags too. Lee George. And- yeah, lovely George. But uh, so he, uh, so we would, so we would have this prize box, and if they would bring someone with them, they would pick from the prize box. If they, um, you know, did something super funny or you know something stand out, you know, instead of getting like the gold star, um, they got a prize. You know, just all these different things, and they loved it because, uh, and then they got to to have all these, you know, other haunt T-shirts and get to represent, um, and and they loved it. Um, so, uh, you know, that's something we did. We did one time in auditions where it was auditions and then we did a, uh, I planned a two day camp out that night and we did a scavenger hunt and we camped and we had a fire and we, um, did, it was like a two day actor training audition type of thing. Um, we've done cookouts. I mean, we've done movie nights. We've done so much stuff that not only are they auditioning, but they're building those relationships with everybody. They're feeling comfortable. They're kind of becoming part of the family. And and I just think that's so important now because especially pre-COVID, people were so cooped up and, and away from uh, the socialness that people are a little bit more shy and, you know, they might be in their, their shell a little bit more. And, you know, maybe their their friends kind of, uh, you know, they're not as close with their friends. And this just this this just builds this this family so much. Yeah. Um, and again, me as someone that went through this whole thing where it was one-on-one, didn't know anybody. Basically, you showed up the first night, didn't know what to expect. They gave you a costume, put you in a scene by yourself and let you roll. They didn't give you lines. I mean, they did nothing. And I I just, I love that all of this stuff is together. Nothing that we do is one-on-one when it comes to these auditions. Nothing. You're always with somebody. Um, and, and most of these are with groups of people. We've had some of our best actors come in with a brother or sister no bring mom, dad, another sister, a cousin. I'm like, come on, let's see what oh, you got. You we, love it. we love it when they roll up in a van and like their whole family gets out and they're like, we're ready. And I love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So much fun. Okay. So now I'm going to get into orientation. Uh, so just a quick recap, went over um, after applications, some initial steps on getting ready for those auditions and contacting them, inviting them out, going through the auditions. The next step is orientation. Um, it depends on what you do. We've tried it different ways, whether, and it and also depends if you're hiring or if they're volunteers, um, you know, that there's a lot of gray areas there I'm not going to dive into, but however you specifically get from the audition process to the next step, we do an orientation. Um, Again, whether that's if you call people, if you email them, if you tell them on the spot they're hired, you know, if they're volunteer, you know, you might welcome everybody. Again, I'm not going to get through all that. I'm just going to go straight to orientation. Um, I'm going to go over what I found works 
great, especially with dealing with so many people. Um, you know, hopefully this might, you know, you might get a little nugget of information. So before orientation even starts, we always have a pre-orientation staff meeting. Um, I review the activities that we're going to do, the schedule to stay on schedule, review the icebreakers, etc. cetera. Um, what our staff typically would be, would be um, me and then my five attraction managers that I had. I, I mentioned um, each attraction had a manager um, and we would go over everything. As far as uh, the schedule, our orientation was about, it was about four hours um, on a random Sunday. Um, sometimes we would have two, two or three different orientations. Usually two was, was plenty and orientation. We, you know, listed it as mandatory, but of course, you know, some people could, couldn't make it. Um, and we would review with them, you know, when the time came. Um, but it's important to have the activities and stuff because they will break off with each manager. And I will show you that in just a moment. Uh, but after that, um, the actors enter and they receive their actor handbook and they fill out the availability. You'll notice some of these pictures are very old because that's what I had available on my computer. <laughs> this one says 2014, but that's okay. Um, and we would bring them in in chairs and they would sit while we went over some stuff, but then uh, don't worry, uh, soon after that, we got pretty active. Uh, so this is an example of um, an availability calendar just to let us know when they're available to work and they cannot work. Uh, and again, we would put all of this into um, access or a spreadsheet and it would help uh, generate who all was available on which night. So we could do, each manager could do printouts and then cast according to who was available on that sheet. Uh, something else that we would do is when they would come in and we would hand them their packet, we would, we had highlighters, each uh, attraction represented a different color and we would just swipe it on theirs when we checked them in. Um, nobody knew what the colors were until this whole spiel was over and they did separate. So like orange might be Hayride, um, blue might be our mansion, things like that. And they wouldn't know until, uh, until we released it, but it was fun because everyone was like, what color do you have? What color Tricky. do you have? Yeah. And we typically like uh, another thing to consider if you are doing attractions and you're doing them linearly, such as, you know, there's a, there's a designated order that patrons will be going to those attractions in, um, of course, we grouped friends and family and stuff together. You know, we're not going to put someone that has to be there at five to get ready with someone that doesn't have to be there till seven to get ready because they're in the last attraction and then they're done, you know, three hours earlier than the other person. Like we, we do group people together. I mean, we're not that brutal. <laughs> um, going into the actor handbook, um, this, this is just a guide. I mean, this is not like a, um, a, a, an employee handbook, really. Um, this just kind of really helps people um, get some information. And so we're not answering the same questions over and over again. Also, parents love these. Um, you know, when you're sending your 16 year old to their very first job, and you might be kind of like weird, because you might have heard some, you know, like, Oh, haunted house. It's going to be dark. There's going to be people running around. You know, you might be a little bit, but they love to see this and read this and see what we're all about. And it makes them feel a lot better. They can put it on their fridge, so forth. Um, these are just some suggestions of things that we've had in ours in the past, a welcome statement that explains um, about the haunt. Uh, social media URLs. Um, we include um, uh, specifics about social media policies and things too, about taking pictures, um, our hashtags, you know, all that different stuff. Um, our list of management staff and all of their contact information, what to wear and bring, 
and oh, I'll so black that. shoes, black pants, black shirt. Um, <laughs> yes, but we expand on it a little bit. Okay. I, I, well, I'll jump to that and then I'll come back. So what to bring these are this is a very expanded um list and i explained that the reason for this is and this is where these ticket leap bags come in handy thanks lee is because if they don't have a drawstring bag we give them one and we say bring this drawstring bag with you and here's just some some things to bring because again going back to my experience year one um i um so one night i you know, they say we're all black. So I had black jeans on and like an old black hoodie. And the first thing they did was cut the hood off the back of my hoodie because apparently that was wrong, but I didn't know. And then I was a patient on like a spine pole bed, like where you like, you go up the hole and you lay over the bed and it has a fake spine and like they're ripping your spine out. And I had this big bulky black hoodie on it looked ridiculous. So the very next night, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to wear stuff that would make sense under scrubs. So I wore um, like a, a white long sleeve shirt, like a thermal um, type shirt, you know, gray sweatpants and like these like, you know, hospital looking shoes. And so I, I listed just some things that I go over with them that kind of say, if you bring kind of these items, um, this will kind of keep you covered for any scenario because sometimes there we try not to do it, but once in a great while there is a last minute change. Uh, we also have pick your roll nights, things like that. Um, and we also ask during orientation, we put out an announcement that says, you know, if anyone wants to bring extra backpacks, if they want to bring extra clothes, you know, if they want to donate things, we'll gladly take it. We also buy and, and you know, donate things um, to make sure that everybody has these things if they don't. You know, we don't want anybody to have to go out and buy or not have. You know, we make sure that we have for everybody in all different sizes. Yeah, that's good. I always put my actor group, the weather, the weather for the night. So I'm always like, uh, it's going to be cold as hell tonight, guys. Uh, bundle up. I have hand warmers. And hot chocolate so yeah and and we do i mean we ask them to be responsible but we understand sometimes it happens and we even had kids many times that they would get dropped off the school bus and that was it like they would be there all night to work their shift and they just didn't have these things with them um right. so yeah so we weren't too bad of a strickler on, on this these kind of things yeah, that's good. We can we keep like capes and stuff just to have them to cover like you know black material capes just to, mm -hmm. if you don't if you don't have your stuff. Okay, well you're working this role tonight because you're not quite set up. We don't have a costume, so throw this cape on. You're working the dark maze or whatever. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, so jumping back um, after what to bring and what to wear, a nightly routine. Again, what to expect. This was stuff that I never had. I wish I would have had this my first year. Um, and I think it's it's on a slide or two. I can review a couple things on that. Um, some rules and policies, incentives, everyone's favorite operation hours and calendar. It reviews the scaring techniques that we went over during the auditions. Uh, safety guide, and then it lists out our emergency and evacuation procedures along with an, an evacuation map for each attraction. I'm not going to go into depth in each one of those because that's a completely different seminar, but just to give you an idea of some things that you might want to include. It's a good list. Thank you. Uh, this is an idea of this nightly routine. Um, so it kind of, it says to arrive in park, check in, you know, you where to go to get your costume, where to go to get your makeup, then you'll do a lineup. Um, and they'll review to make sure that you have the correct costume on, the correct makeup, everything looks good. 
they'll take you to your scenes. They'll make sure that you're, um, you know, what you're doing, you're confident, you're comfortable, that it's time to act. Then, and then the process for cleaning up, you know, you check your schedule, you leave, uh, we would do hot food on weekends, things like that. So orientation. So after we review that whole packet, um, then we, uh, well, the management staff will introduce them, of course, and then we will split them into their attractions or groups and they will go with their manager. Um, so we would go outside or you can go if you're in your haunt, you know, if you have a space and we would split them into different attractions. If you only have a one attraction haunt, then you can still split them in groups. You can still do the color, um, you know, the color thing. And uh, just like I mentioned before, each time you do a different uh, exercise, all you gotta do is count them off by threes and keep switching different groups so that um, it keeps getting mixed up for these different exercises. Um, or if you have a smaller group, then you can just keep them together. I would say pretty much any more than 30 people you would need to have, you would need to split it up um, because I feel like it's hard for one person to really in their mind, keep track of what more than 30 people are doing. Mm -hmm. um, too, too many faces to try to remember who's good at what, you know, if you're trying to take notes on the fly or you're taking videos. Um, so here's some actor training exercises. Now, some people do a separate actor training day or days. Uh, we, we, um, but we include them in orientation as well, because anytime we get these people at our place, we want them to learn something. We want them to move um, because some people are traveling far. Um, so here's some things. I first I listed the string theory because I feel I love it. Um, you know, it's something from Alan Hops, um, but it is a great um, thing to kind of help them understand the why of a character um, with their driving force. Um, uh, next, face or mask. I wanted to list this in here for uh, Scott Swenson. Um, he did a seminar many years ago and I loved this. So we use it sometimes and basically um, we pass out um, masks and you decide, is it your, is it going to be your face or is it going to be a mask? And, uh, and then the exercises you're acting as such, and then you do the opposite. Um, so very fun, very cool exercise. This was something that was definitely utilized for COVID because we did have the use of, you know, masks more than normal. Uh, the next thing is uh, build a character. And uh, this is, and, and with all of these exercises, these you're getting into more um, haunt specific and you can take it as, as in depth as you want, depending on what your specific characters or theme is going to be that year. Um, so example of a build a character, you can keep it kind of simple. For example, um, we're going to do um, a zombie, you know, very basic, right? So very first level is going to be a slow and stupid zombie. And then we say go. And we give them about 20, 30 seconds of everybody being what their interpretation of a slow and stupid zombie is. And then, and, and if they need more clarification, we can say, you just died and a rose is a zombie. You don't have a thirst for people yet. You're like a newborn zombie where you're very clumsy and you're disoriented and you're trying to figure out what's going on. So it's a slow and stupid zombie, right? And then a second, so they're acting that for about 20 to 30 seconds. So after that, then we're going to say, all right, we're going to add in level two, which is going to be an accidental lunge. And what that means is every few steps, throw in some kind of lunge. This can be a lunge to the side, the forward, the back. Don't let yourself fall. 
but purposely throw yourself off balance as if you're lunging at someone. So that would be level two. So now they're a slow and stupid zombie with an accidental lunge. So that's another 20 or 30 seconds. So then you stop. And then now we're going to add a third level. So if, if say, for example, this exercise, we do it after the string theory, um, then, then you can say, all right, add your driving force, you know, um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, with that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's pretty common. So, um, so, you know, maybe it's on your stomach or maybe it's on your head or your shoulder or things like that. So then we'll run that for another 20 or 30 seconds. And then we'll go, we, we usually will only do a max of three or four levels. Um, so then like this, the fourth level might be add twisting and shaking. So, um, you're staying in control, but you're mend you're bending and moving at the hips or your head or your waist or your arms, your legs everywhere because you're dead and you don't have full control of your bones or your body. Um, so then we'll do that. So now we're up to four different things all going on at once for another 20 or 30 seconds. And this is great because it really helps um, them realize that the the arms out dragging leg zombie that they think is a zombie doesn't have to be a zombie. And, and, and you can do so much more and you can really have a lot of fun with your body and the movement and the space and other people and the energy around you. And that is, um, you know, one of our favorite exercises to help them kind of to learn how to be a haunt actor. Mm -hmm. um, Another one um, that we would do is, again, we kind of keep these simple in the beginning to where they can understand is um, like an insane asylum patient. You know, all of them could could start at a basis of that. They all understand what kind of character that is. So we start with that. So maybe um, you start with, um, um, you know, go back to the twisting and shaking. Maybe it's twisting and shaking, then maybe adding, you know, intense eternal pain or, and, and you can go so forth. Um, but if you're developing these, you know, pick a couple, usually we'll do two or three different types of characters and just add on three to four different levels of movement, of vocals, um, and, uh, and, and levels, you know, okay. <laughs> next, um, bag of props, super simple. Um, we just give them a bag of props and, uh, give them, oh, let me go back. Um, sorry, my mouse is very touchy. Okay. Um, very simple, just a bag of props, the most random things we can go through our haunt and find right before we start. We don't want it to be easy. We don't want to give them a knife and this and that. We want to give them the, the silliest things we can find and give them a couple minutes and split them into groups. And then, you know, they go through and they act out their their um their scenario with our props. Again, this isn't really much for haunt. But this is just, it's improv. We can see how well they are at improving and time management as well as team building. It's just a fun thing. Um, it's a nice little break after the build a character because they're usually out of breath at that point. Mm -hmm. Gives them a kind of chance to kind of take a few minutes and, and, and relax and go over what they're going to do. Um, the next thing, um, I call it time lapse. And, um, and basically... Um, what we do is we will give them a scenario. It can be a haunt related scenario or not. Um, and you can also use this for auditions or for orientation. You can really use this anytime. And what we do is we put them into groups and we give them a scenario. If you're going to use a basic one, it could be like you're on a camping trip. You know, that's so basic. Uh, and we say, okay, you guys are going to have 60 seconds to act this out. 
So we let everybody talk for a couple minutes and then we say, all right, first group go. And they have to act out this camping trip for 60 seconds. And usually it drags on and people are like, oh, and they're trying to like come up with more and more things to try to fill that 60 seconds because 60 seconds, it can be a very long time. It's a very long time, right? Okay. And then they, and then, okay, we, so we go through each group and we're like, all right, you think, you think you're done? No, we're going to do it the exact same thing in 30 seconds. So then they got to do it in 30 seconds. And then they do the exact same thing in 15 seconds and the exact same thing in 10 seconds. And then the exact same thing in one second. And this is, this is a very fun exercise because couple things, one, it real, they realize the fluff that you have to cut out to get across what you're trying to get across in a scene. If people are going through your scene and they're in your scene for 60 seconds, you got to know how to carry on that story for 60 seconds. If, especially like cue lines and things, or if you're in a big room that's filling up, um, if you, if they're, if they're flying through your scene and they fly through it in two seconds, you got to get across something to them in two seconds um, and, and so forth. Typically, um, the, the best is when they're between about 15 to 30 seconds is, is when they've cut out, they've, they've trimmed the fat, but yet it's enough for them to tell what they need to tell before the time is up. So um, that's another fun exercise that we do. Hmm. Cool. Um, and then when you get down, of course, when you get down to like the one second, it's always like just one big movement and it's, it's just really funny. There's um, a campfire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we did one where they were making a birthday cake and, you know, they're going through and all these, and then in the one second they're like cake and that was <laughs> it. And, um, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, next is a, is another one I developed called levels. Um, I wish I had a video of it. I will see. Um, I would try to track down and see if I have some videos of this. Um, and there is a picture of it up top here. Um, you could use this um, even if you had people like lined up before, like you were walking with motivation or um, you can just you just put them in a line. Um, but we will put them in in single file lines, maybe, I don't know, six, seven, eight, whatever across maybe four or five deep. And um, we will play music and we will go over the levels. So um, before we start this exercise, we will explain that there are different levels. There is a low crawling level. There is a medium hunched over level. And then there is a full upright, more of attack kind of level. Um, so we just go off three different levels and we will play music. Now, as far as what music to use, I will use, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 different tracks of all different types of sounds. I have a, um, a circusy one on there. I mean, Knox Arcana and Midnight Syndicate, you can use their types of, of music um, if you're already using those in your haunts, um, where it's just, there's good beat to it. Something might be, um, might be like an organ where it's very fast and, and moving a lot, um, or there might be something that's using real deep, slow, um, you know, bass or some, or things like that. Um, and I will put a variety on there and, um, and we will say, okay, we're going to start low level and I will give them a scenario. So I'll say, okay, all first row people, again, you can use a simple or you can get into um, more haunt type stuff. So, you know, the first row might be clowns. Like, again, we're going simple. We're going, you know, kind of, kind of um, generic here. Um, the second one might be uh, witches. The third one might be zombies. The fourth one might be cyborgs, you know, whatever. And then you can add a little bit more to it. So then the first, you'll go back to that first row and they might be um, clowns that 
only have one arm and a limp and you can just keep adding on to it. I mean, you can gauge the type of the, the kind of level that you're at with them on how, how advanced you make it. Cause it is a lot. Um, but say back it up to where we just said, okay, the first group's clowns, you know, something simple and you're going to do mid-level and we're going to say, go, we're going to play the music and they're going to move along from one side over to the other side and this is probably, I don't know, 20, 30 feet at that level, matching the music in their character. And then the second group goes. And as soon as they make it across, the third group goes. And you just go back and forth. And then you might do low level. And then everyone moves across. But each time you're giving them different scenarios, um, you could also have everybody write down a character or a scenario. And you could just randomly pull them from hats if you want to. I mean, the sky's really the limit on what scenarios you give them, whether it's very basic or very advanced. Um, but the whole point of that is to, to allow them time to explore a character, forced to be at a specific level, and match music. Because this gets us closer and closer to a real scenario, what it would be like when you open. Because no real character is going to stand perfectly tall the whole time. Um, and it allows them to kind of feel like, do they feel the most confident crouched down very low? Or do they feel more confident if they are up more upright? So mm -hmm. um, that's just an example of the levels. It gives them a little taste of what scaring is like, yes. how physical it can be. Yes. Yeah. And when, again, you'll see people like, we keep the lines pretty close together, but sometimes they will interact with each other. Sometimes they're very vocal. Sometimes they don't say a word. And again, we're still always keeping notes of that in our mind um, because we will, you know, we, after these, these trainings, we either confirmed what we thought a role for them, or we might have to switch them. You know, they, we might see something totally different from them in orientation and switch it around. Right. Um, are we okay on time? Yes. Okay, good, because I still have a lot more slides. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> well, it's a, it's, it's fifteen till nine, but eh, I'm sure Melissa don't mind. I'm I'm in, I'm involved, so I'm already in it. Okay, so let's go. all right. Good. <laughs> um, a couple more exercises. Um, this gets them involved, um, like when they are coming in and checking in and they go to their seats, uh, we will give them um, some slips of paper. It gives them something to do like while, you know, we're checking everybody in um, and we'll have them write down um, a characteristic that they wish that they had. Um, and we can put them all into a hat. And this is called the opposite of myself. So basically um, we will let them pull out papers and it will have a characteristic that they will then act. Um, the reason why I um, highlighted these three in green is because you can combine all of these if you really wanted to. Um, so that's the opposite of myself. But then phrases, um, they also can write down a phrase. Uh, it, it can be something non-related such as um, getting um, Black Friday shopping, you know, or it could be something haunt specific, such as um, uh, being chained up by a kidnapper, you know, um, it could be anything. And then you can combine them. So you might have two hats. And then when it's time to act, you know, they pull one from one that has basically um, some type of, you know, characteristic, but then it also has a scene. Um, and then they will act them out. And then, you know, they will be guest based on that. 
And if you want to take away the vocals, you can. That's always an advanced um, move to make is um, if it's too easy or if they're relying on too much, then take the vocals away and then they have to solely use their body language. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I um, kind of goes along with the same thing, especially if we're splitting people into more storytellers, but we have a list of prompts um, that, that they will guess um, that they will get that no one will get. And it's going to be, are they sharing? Are they trying to share something with you? Um, are they trying to uh, dominate you or demand something of you? You know, there's, there's different scenarios and you are, you as acting as the, as the, the patron or the receiver is trying to guess. And it kind of helps them along with their storytelling and their dialogue. Oh, the very last one I put on here um, that I'll go over tonight is emotions. This is something that's very advanced. We use it with our, our most advanced um, actors and vets. And basically this goes over a lot of body language and they get assigned a random, a random emotion or a feeling and they have to, um, to emote it. But the reason this is advanced is because we are doing the opposite. So say for example, the emotion you get is inferior. So you're not acting inferior. You as the actor have to do something that makes the customer feel as they're inferior. Um, And so this is, again, this is very advanced because it really helps scene manipulation, emotion manipulation. Um, and I always believe that, that your guest should be part of your story and part of your haunt. And this really helps pull them into your world is by not only just you acting as something, but how can you make them feel something different from one scene to the next? And then, of course, again, you can take away their words. If they are um, using too much vocals, take it away. And it, then it has to be strictly body, body language because maybe they're, in a, maybe they're in a scene where they are wearing a mask. You can't really hear them. Maybe they're near certain types of loud music or, or background noise, screaming, things like that. You have to be able to have strong body language. All right. Any questions on those exercises? No, those are oh, some really good great. ones, ones that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Um, so after um, actor orientation, you know, we go through um, tons of different exercises and team building and things like that. Um, I mentioned they will split off to their managers um, and they will discuss those safety and emergency procedures. And we do a tour of the attractions. Um, I'm a huge fan of that because that's what they want to see, right? Like they can't wait. And if you don't show it to them, then chances are they're either going to not want to work opening weekend because they want to go through, or they're going to try to like skip out or leave their scene, or it's going to be the first night and they're off with somebody because they want to sneak peek. So we give them a full tour um, of all the attractions when they're done. Then we answer any questions, repeat the contact information and dismiss them. Some of this stuff is, is very common sense, but I'm just going over it because um, Some people don't know, you know, maybe this is your first year being involved with actors and it's just a nice reminder of some things, some bases to cover um, before opening night. Okay. Um, Just some other trainings and workshops that we do um, besides like the orientation. I mentioned we will do acting, actor training, cover on some of those exercises as well as other ones. Um, Sometimes we'll um, get them into costumes. Sometimes we'll work directly in the scenes. Um, some other acting stuff that, that we teach and we offer, we do, um, acting workshops with fire spinning and fire breathing. I mentioned I'm a fire performer, so I love, um, um, 
offering that to them. Um, Stilt walking, sliding, and of course, chainsaw is very important. Please don't give someone a chainsaw and put them in a scene. You would be surprised how many people say that they know how to use a chainsaw and they don't or they can't carry it or, you know, so forth. Um, Could be very dangerous. Um, So we make sure that that is well rehearsed and approved before it goes into a scene. Um, Costume workshops, construction, distressing, accessories, hats, teeth, masks. Um, I'm not going to go into too much of this stuff, but I just wanted to put it on here because I do feel that that um, this kind of helps bring more of that like um, unity and and family and gets them involved um, with your haunt. Um, We've done costume workshops. It's fantastic because you know, you bring a hundred people in here and they all make a couple pieces of clothing. Not only are they learning, but then like you have all these pieces now to use in your haunt that you didn't have to like make by yourself. Um, and it's awesome. Cause then they get to see their costumes and pieces in the haunt. Hmm. Um, character development. Um, we will do workshops where they can help develop their character. And sometimes we'll do that before the costume one so that they can be involved in even constructing char- characters. And I don't have any pictures on here, but we do have some um, in the past where they have come to character development workshops and built their costumes and they were cue line actors in that costume. And it was something that I never even thought of that was amazing and ended up being an icon character for multiple years after. So um, oh, that's good. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can let them help scenes or build their own costumes. That's great. Cause like you said, they see it and they want it to, you know, that's part of the haunt. So they want to be there. Yes. And just a couple other things um, just to throw in here. Um, makeup and props, same thing. Don't overlook these. I mean, they, they want to be involved and it's awesome to, to, to offer this to them. And, um, because you, you will see people emerge with these talents, um, and, and they might become part of your core staff the following year. Um, that's, that's how I got on a scenic is, you know, I started as an actor, but, um, they didn't know that I had a background in, um, in, and painting, painting and drawing and, um, and decorating and distressing and things like that. Um, and so, um, I was able to come on, um, full summer staff and, uh, and take care of these departments for a few years. Um, and then of course include contests and things like that with those for the next one. Um, there's also, um, I do have a whole bunch of information about retaining actors, incentives, basically things, what you can do, activities um, off season and during the summer, like I mentioned, the camp out and um, um, festivals and cookouts and scavenger hunts and all those things. And um, if you would ever like a seminar or something like that on the future, I'd be happy to come back on and, and talk about some of those things and how we put those activities together. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's where we stop to hear the rest of this interview and to get the video and to get all of our other cool masterminds and master classes and monthly meetings, go on over to hunterstoolbox.com and sign up to be a Haunt Master member. All right, we'll see you next time. Okay, that's it for today. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And don't forget to contact me if you'd like to participate in this year's Hauntathon. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. 
And until next time, haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.